This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What up, my people? Welcome to We're Going There. If it is your first time to the podcast, let me introduce myself and say hello. My name is Bianca Waters Oltoff, and I love this new community space that has fostered and developed here. For those that have subscribed to the podcast or left reviews, I just want to take a quick second and say I love you. For real. The community that's been developed here has been such a gift to me in this season, and one day I'll explain to you why. But suffice it to say, I'm just grateful for you. I'm grateful for the space that we get to communicate and talk about things that sometimes don't feel safe to talk about in public spaces. Today's interview is with Pastor Mike Todd. And y'all, I don't even know where to begin with this guy. Honestly, I have such a love and admiration for him, what he has built, what he has pioneered, what he's fostered, what he's grown. I just, I mean, I give that man a slow clap on my feet. Come on. Um, Love him dearly. And for those that are new to the podcast, uh, a couple things to note. For those that have won the free resources and books that we are giving away for those that are sharing this on social media, I just want to say those books are in the mail. I traveled last week. I was a little bit behind, um, but they are in the mail. You should be getting them shortly. And as always, we start off this podcast with a discussion and a story. So I tell a story of how I know this person and because they're not just like randos. These are people that I really look up to, love, admire, and in some case can consider them friends. Pastor Mike doesn't know he's my BFF, but he is. Don't tell him, but he is. Um, And then secondly, I talk about the content at hand. But with this interview, I just, I want to spend as much time as possible just learning and gleaning from Pastor Mike. So let me just intro with this. I remember meeting Pastor Mike at a conference and he is this exuberant, vivacious, dynamic character who I had no clue who he was. And we just immediately hit it off Um, from just his humility and his sincerity. I can walk into a room and get a read real quick. And I saw Pastor Mike and I saw how real he was and I couldn't help but just instantly love him. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. As a female in church leadership, as a female in leadership, an internal and private struggle that I have wrestled with is trying to own my femininity while still being mindful that I am a minority in this group of Christian communicators. Let me put it this way. Growing up, all I saw were male communicators. And for me, as someone who loved to exposit the word of God and teach the word of God and preach the word of God, it's been like this new ecosystem that I am forced to adapt to. The interesting element is when you're dealing with men, sometimes they don't know what to do with me, a woman. So I think in a lot of circles, uh, men have treated me as if I am unintentionally. I don't think that they're doing this intentionally, right? I don't think that they're vile. But a lot of times people will kind of like view me as a Jezebel or like, ooh, we might get tempted. You can't talk to women. Women are very scary. Um, I don't know how to act in front of a woman. I can't be alone with a woman. There has to be someone else on the phone call. There has to be someone else on the Zoom. There has to be someone else in this room. And I get that and I admire it. But sometimes it makes me feel like I'm Bathsheba bathing on a rooftop when really I'm just a student and I want to learn and I want to be friends. The person who has exemplified such wholeness and such humility and such honesty and such safety is Pastor Mike Todd. 
never has he made me feel like it's my fault to be a woman or that I should be intimidated to be a woman or should I that I should be embarrassed to be a woman. He's welcomed me into church culture and church leadership with open arms. Not only that, he has paved a way for people of color in a way that he didn't have to fight to be heard. He didn't have to grovel to be listened to. He just did it. And so I hope that in this podcast, you can get a holistic view, um, just a little appetizer and a moosh-boosh of this man's integrity, his honesty, his wisdom, and his insight. So with further ado, let's jump into the podcast with New York Times bestselling author, pastor of Transformation Church, husband to Natalie Todd, and father to three gorgeous children, Pastor Michael Todd. Well, welcome, Pastor Mike, to We Are Going There. I'm so excited that you're here as our guest. Come on. I am excited to be here. We are going all the way there today. You and my sister, this is fun. I'm excited. Let's go. Okay. Well, before we dive into this, and I didn't even tell you this, I, and even for our podcast listeners, this isn't just something that it's like a fly by night and I just pop on and have a quick phone call. Like I prepare for this, right? So I know you, I've read your, I've read your book. I've listened to your sermons. I consider you someone as a hero of the faith, even though I am just slightly older than you and uh, just slightly, just slightly. Um, but as I was preparing, I listened to uh, the breakfast club interview that you just did not too long ago. Yeah. And let me tell you something, brother. We're, we're going to talk about, this is our sextopode. So we're going to go there for sure. But, but I just need, I need our listeners to know this about you as a pastor and you as a man. I listened to this interview and I was collecting data and listening. Who's asking great questions? Who's not, you know? And the thing that stood out to me wasn't the content. It, uh, uh, it wasn't the questions. It wasn't even just the fact that you were in a different circle because this is a, for those that don't know, it's one of the top rated radio morning shows across the nation in its secular. And let me tell you something. One of the hosts, when we started the interview, when y'all started the interview, he had in Spanish, it's called a cara de fuchi. Okay, a cara is face, and fuchi is like, you make this face when something smells like, oh, fuchi. A cara de fuchi is like a stank face. You okay, know? Okay, I got so it. he started the interview with the cara de fuchi okay. and like he even, he even dropped some profane words. You know what I loved about you? You didn't skip a beat. Nah. He, 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 he tried throwing you off a little bit. Like I'm going to test this pastor. By the end of the interview, you started talking about relationships, but by the end of the interview, you were giving the gospel message unadulterated. And then hold up, hold up. I was about to click off because we were attending the interview and I, I was listening. They asked you, to pray for them. My God, yeah. my God. Yeah. That, was, that was a cool uh, opportunity. One of the things that I always ask God is, um, put me in the middle of culture, cause I'll put you there. Like if, 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 if more believers really would put Christ in the middle of culture, come on. Um, they would get to see a picture. And for so many of us, we just tell people to come to our church come to our gathering, come to our thing. But if I read my Bible right, like the instruction was to go, like go into all the world and make disciples. Yes. And so it's one of those things that though we love um, what we get to do at Transformation Church and we do tell people to come, I always check myself is, am I ready to go? And when that opportunity came open, I knew that was not going to be um, uh a fan, I wasn't going to be playing for a home crowd. You understand what I'm saying? I do, I do. In there, but that was a place that I could put Christ in the middle of culture. And the one thing that I know 
is that nobody can ever um, um, go against authenticity and love. And that's what I went in there with. Like, I want to just love everybody. I prayed for all of those people. And when I walk into those environments, somehow God takes what started off with the, how do you say it? The Karanfuchi. Like, I don't even know how to say that, but he, it starts with that to the thing where one of the hosts texts me afterwards and wants to further conversation. It was that guy. It was him who even oh. at the end, he said, Pastor Mike, I'm going to follow up with you. I'm going to have my people reach out to you because we're going to do something together. And I was like, won't he do it? Won't he do Pastor it? Mike was not threatened, not offended. He was honest. He was open. He tried throwing some questions at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it didn't even, you didn't even bat an eye. You didn't break a sweat. There was no sweat rag needed for this conversation. Conversation. <laughs> well, now, the- listen, I bring all that up because, you know, I, I went to social media. I went onto Instagram and Facebook. I said, hey, what questions do you ask Pastor Mike? Now, of course, you are known in this space for being a voice piercing the a lot the cacophony and chatter and din of just people talking trash about dating relationships without knowing anything. Now, that is so good, but I need people to understand your backstory because otherwise <laughs> you're a talking head and like you are a pastor, you are a father, you are an entrepreneur. I mean, you got swag because we did get some questions of, like, are you going to drop a fashion line? Pete and Corey minds want to know. So we'll, we'll save that for the conversation at the end. Okay. But Hey, I want to kind of, I want to just spend a little bit of time and, and I mean, you determine how much time and, and depth you want to give this because we are definitely going to talk about sex, dating and relationships. But a, a lot of people are wondering about your ministry. So mm-hmm. uh, if you can, let's, let's start with this, um, just to kind of give people an understanding of like how and why you got started and what made you passionate about this. But like, take us on that journey of uh, how you led into pastoring and what you realized about relationships. Yeah. So um, the first thing is I never thought I would be a pastor. That's the first thing. You and me both. Uh, amen. <laughs> the second thing is um, my story um, goes back to just being raised by really good parents, but um, really well filing out. Like I, I wasn't the guy who was going to uh, be doing anything in ministry. I'd probably go to church because I felt good. Uh, it made me feel better about myself, but like actually leading, doing anything, all that other stuff. I was more passionate about music. And so um, I started playing drums when I was very young and picking up other instruments and started producing music, started going on tours with people, like doing all that. So that was I was planning to be producing for Beyonce and and on like, that's exactly what, I mean, I got it written down on, on like walls and journals and like, it's all that. And God was like, yeah, that's all good, but I have a different plan for you. And so um, I started serving in a church called Greenwood Christian Center as the sound man. Um, And it was so funny, like, and I just tell people this all the time that saying yes to whatever God has in front of you at the moment will produce your purpose. Mm. It's not saying yes to what you think you want. It's saying yes to whatever God puts in front of you. And um, he had put in front of me this opportunity to serve at this church and run sound because that's what I was good at, doing music, producing, running sound, all that other stuff. And the craziest story ensues there where I go from running sound to becoming uh, a over the music, a music director at that church. So then my parents started a church called Spirit um, and Truth Praise and Worship Center where you could get saved just on the name. Like you can't. You, you so like you, you, you know. And they started that church. I didn't go for the first eight months because I was like, y'all are 50 something 
started in church. This don't make no sense. And it's on Sunday night. That's when the game is on. I'm just not going to be a part of that. I love you, though. And then one day, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, you need to go help your parents with the music, at least. So I start going and helping my parents on Sunday nights with the music. And um, then my mom comes up to me in this real, like, pastorly, prophetic voice. And it's like, you're supposed to do something with the youth. I was like, you have four other sons. One of them can do something with the youth. I'm about to move to LA or New York. I'm about to go. I'm about to marry Natalie and I'm out of here. And, um, but it was mama. So I said, well, I'm going to do something with the youth. There's only seven people that come to this church anyway. And so we started the youth group that next week with seven young people. And three of them were my brothers and a god brother a god sister and a random person like and it was one of those things that we're in there and i said um right before i walked in i felt so strongly that god told me four things he said be real tell on yourself don't judge them and love them first mm. that's it that was my introduction into ministry be real judge don't judge them tell yourself and love them first and it's so crazy that those things still ring true to my ministry today yeah. but at that point i didn't take it seriously i didn't know anything i would just get in there and just try to give them good points and mcgee and me scriptures and stories <laughs> like i was just trying to make it happen because i didn't think it was anything serious I'm leading the music at this church working with the youth on sunday nights at my parents church and then um in a staff meeting one day, I was like, man, my parents and this pastor, they need to come together. That would be really good. So I said it. And they were like, nah, that'll never work. Three months later, I said it again. And they were like, well, maybe. The church is merged. Okay? So I'm setting my own trap right now. The church is merged. And I end up doing the youth at Greenwood Christian Center as well. And the first day we did Soul Fly, Sold Out Free Life Youth was what the name of our youth group was. And our mascot was a fly. So um, looking hindsight, we could have done better. But at the time, it was It was so fresh. Lit. It was good. It was so good. And, um, and once that happened, um, the first day we did Soul Fly, 500 young people showed up. Wow. And it was like, what in the world is going on? And from there, that's where I learned, I, I practiced, I really want to send a pair of Yeezys to every student that was a part of my youth ministry because I was horrible. Like, I, we had five-hour messages. I was saying all kinds of stuff, but it was so cool how God gave me an opportunity to grow there. And I went from the youth pastor of that church to the executive pastor and the executive pastor to the lead pastor in five years. And... I don't know, like literally telling the story, I don't know how it happened, but all I can tell you is there was a supernatural grace that came over me and my wife Natalie's life when I became the lead pastor on February 1st, 2015. And since then, I mean, we took over Transformation Church, the name of the church changed, and um, we took over with about 300 people who were all just sitting like, mm, let's see how they, they had the, what face was that? Cara de Fucci. <laughs> They were all Catarapuchis on me. And they were like, and um, I just started really working on loving people and those four yeah. things, being real, telling on myself, not judging people and loving them first. And I don't know how this happened, Bianca. Like I am a regular dude from Tulsa, Oklahoma with no, with six months of community college education. Like, and God 
um, I gave it my yes, and it's turned into me helping people transform their lives. So I'm just super grateful. So yeah, like the fact that I'm on a podcast right now, the fact fact that I've written a book, the fact that any of those things a New York Times like best-selling book, I might add, to make yes. people hungry and thirsty if they haven't already gotten the book to get it because it wasn't just there for one week. First of all, you were number one for how many how many weeks? We were New York Times number one bestseller for three weeks on the on three consecutive weeks. We were on the New York Times bestseller for fifteen weeks. Come on! And main reason that we went off the New York Times bestseller list is because I took a two month sabbatical. Hello. So I decided that it was it was we my health is more important than success. And one of the things that most people you know, especially in our culture. Um, they don't value is having a healthy soul. And um, it was one of the hardest things that we had to do because I'm literally the book publisher. Everybody's like freaking out. Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I want to win in the right places. Like I can be on the New York Times bestseller list for 30 weeks. But if my family doesn't feel like I'm checked in or my wife needs something and a lot of people especially in today's culture they win at the things that people can see and they lose at the things that only a few people can see Ooh. and um so we went we decided that hey I'm gonna that's been something I've done every year as a pastor taking a month sabbatical and um it just happened to be when I was on the New York Times bestseller list so we went off and I just really do believe that God has blessed everything that we've done because I've honored him in this whole situation. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just excited. Bianca. I can't I agree more. I can't agree more. In fact, um, I remember being, I flew out to Tulsa specifically for your five year anniversary of TC. I consider myself part of TC nation. And, I'm on um, nation. <laughs> and, um, so, so I, so I was there for the five year and just seeing how you were able to burn up the, the, the note for the building because y'all bought a huge venue that fits almost 5,000 people and paid it off in eight months, five months. Oh, five months. Oh, I'm a heretic. Come on. Only okay. for the glory, glory God. Well, I need some of that glory because the, the father sells Orange County needs some of that glory. Okay. You need to share that Shekinah up in here. All Let's right. Go. No, but to, yeah. but to, but in all honesty, I feel like this part of your journey is so important for people to know because you are not some joker that's just like pontificating or reading some statistics about love. Like you pounded the ground because you love people and you've seen the ravishing effects of bad relationship and how it could wreak havoc on our spirituality. And so um, I want to I'm going to ask just two more questions because I think I'm, I'm just trying to lay the tracks, lay the tracks. You do such a good job at weaving in culture and kingdom. And one of the questions that came in from Chris Galvez, shout out to CG, is how do you balance culture and kingdom, especially in your preaching? Yeah, so the thing that I recognize is the vision at Transformation Church is to represent God. So that's the first thing. Like that's mm. that's where I'm coming from. I want to re-gift God to people who may have seen him wrong. I want to represent him and promote him to people yeah. who may not know who he really is. And a lot of times what we do is we just try to tell the same people about the thing that they already know but don't actually do. So like we go we preach to people and we don't really try to find a revelation or get any new insight or share from our own lives to share it in a different way. And so I want to represent God. And this is the key to the lost and the found. Mm. 
And I think it's one of the things that I, I don't know if the church really understands that we're supposed to be populating heaven and, and plundering hell. And a lot of times it just feels like we're trying to prove ourselves to people who already on the team. Like, look at how I dribble. Look at how I shoot. And it's like, yo, we need to be getting other people to be a part of this team. And so I really feel a strong burden for lost people and found people mm -hmm. to help them get a new revelation of who God is, as well as enjoy this journey um, that is not always fun. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but it's for one reason, transformation in Christ. And so when you put that together, that's the vision of our church. That's the vision of my life, representing God to the lost and found for transformation in Christ. So I have to be um, so um, aware of both of those things. I have to be aware of the kingdom of God and then I have to be aware of culture so I can figure out where to interject it. See, the, a lot of times people are just so consumed with culture and they do not know any kingdom. And so culture begins to consume the kingdom. I, I put myself in a position to consume the kingdom, to read the word, to stay devoted, to worship God every day, to make sure that I'm listening and getting fed by people and leaders that help me grow. Like, Though I'm a leader, I am a pupil. Like, I'm growing all the time. I'm like, I'm listening and watching and hearing and allowing the Holy Spirit to change my heart and check my motives and all that other stuff so that when he gives me a platform, I can put him in the middle of culture. And to answer um, my guy's question, I don't put myself in culture. God does. Mm. Like, and that's the thing that people don't understand. People's goal is culture a lot of times. And that's just where I end up. I never asked to be on the shade room. They put me on there. I never, I didn't call the breakfast club. They called me. And that's where you go back to making sure that you're ready in season and out of season. That means when I, even when I'm preaching, I know that we have everybody from celebrities and politicians watching to people who just got laid off their jobs and church mothers. So when God gives me that platform, I didn't ask those people to watch. God gave me that platform. So when he puts me on the platform, when I know there are people who are atheists and I know that there are people who have been saved all their life, that's the platform he gave me. And so I make sure, and this is so good. Jesus always did it. If you study the scriptures, he always talked to his audience. He never excluded that Zacchaeus. What did he do to Zacchaeus? Who was a, 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 a tax collector. He was somebody who was bad for the culture. He, the church wouldn't have nothing to do with him. He said, I'm coming to eat dinner at your house. I see you. I understand what you're doing. I want to get to know you more. And so he, Jesus, put himself, literal Christ, in the middle of culture in Zacchaeus's house. Zacchaeus didn't invite him over. He invited himself over. I'm eating at your table tonight. Make sure you got some chicken. Make sure you got some rice. Make sure you got some, like, do you understand what I'm saying? And I think for, for, for all believers, the goal shouldn't be to try to get seen by somebody who's unsaved. The goal is to be ready and so kingdom-minded. And you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that God wants you to do will be added. And that's what happened for me. Um, B, I just literally was making sure I was um, doing those four things, loving people, telling on myself, and, and not judging them, loving them first, like all of those things. And then God's like, okay, I can trust you with this platform. Oh, I can give you this. And all I do is represent or represent him 
in that space. And um, I think that's, that's why, I mean, I may not be doing a good job at even articulating it, but that's all I try to do is make sure whenever God places me somewhere, I'm fully representing him. That's it. And you do such a phenomenal job of that, Pastor Mike. I'm not just saying that because you are a man of your word. I have seen you off stage. I've seen you on stage. I've seen you online. I've seen you offline. And the little that I know of you and the little time that I've gotten to spend to you, like I, I'm a witness. I'm a witness and I'm an ardent supporter. I really am. I really am because you are such a good father, a good husband, a good pastor, a good leader. Okay, so now I want to pivot it. So I feel like we've laid the groundwork. You're not some joker, some talking head. Um, I... I want to talk about like sex dating and relationships. And here's no. the thing I want people to know. This is not an advertisement for the book. This is literally great conversation. So now that that is already said, I will in the show notes have links. I will put on Instagram and Facebook links directly to Amazon to go buy the book. And if you like the book, leave a five-star review. And if you don't, his name is, I was going to say a political candidate and I shall refrain, but uh, we, we won't, we won't go there. We won't do that. But, um, here, here's what I, I want to do. I want to dive into kind of books come out of the deep parts of our heart where we see us connecting with humanity. And so why, yeah. why did you write the book? Now I know that there was a series that you did at TC, but I, take us on the journey. Yeah. Cause there, there's a big transition between the spoken word and the written word. Tell people why. Oh, well, number one, this is my first book. And the reason I wrote this book is cause I needed this book. Mm -hmm. I wrote this book for Michael Todd at 18 to 25, when nobody was talking to me about relationships and I was in the crucible of my life, trying to figure out how not to lose the woman that God had given me and still fighting with all these sexual desires, urges and mistakes that I made. And all I had was people telling me, don't have sex before you get married, mess that one up and pray about it. Well, like, is that it? Like. Is that all I had? And so I told God when we were making it and progressing out of that season, if I ever had an opportunity to help somebody like me, I would. And I didn't know that relationship goals was going to go viral. Nobody knew that millions of people would watch that series. I didn't even know I could write a book. But I heard very, very clearly that my first um, um, investment in the world, other than my preaching, needed to be relationship goals the book and that's a crazy thing to say because this was the hardest thing for me to do like i could put out music that's easy i could put out clothes and merch that's why a lot of people who are like where can i get transformation church merch or represent gear the reason we haven't put it out because i was being obedient like this had to come out first that was three years of toil trying to make sure that i obeyed god but i wrote this book because i needed this book and I just feel like there's so many people listening and watching that because we didn't get um, a godly perspective on relationships, relationships were defined by culture. It was defined by friends and MTV and girlfriends and social media and all of these shows and all of these movies. Like it was defined by that. And so we go in with that idea to relationships and we have wrong expectations. We disappoint others. We disappoint ourselves. We end up trying to soothe ourselves. So sex becomes more of a mechanism for us to keep in a relationship. We think we have to do it or it becomes something that we do selfishly to serve ourselves. Well, at least I got some. Like it's all of these different things that we start these habits that end up hindering us when we really want to reach relationship goals. And so I said, listen, I want to be 
raw. Like if anybody reads this book, like I am honest from page one to the very end of the book because I needed somebody to be that way with me. And honestly, the amount of people and the testimonies that we are getting from people who are not just before they're in a relationship, like people who've been married 20 years, 30 years, people who are now um, um, their husband, they're widowed or their husband or wife passed away and they're reading it because they, they want to know is their relationship after this. And all, I mean, from people who are teenagers all the way to people who've been married for 40 years, the testimonies we're getting from people being able to win in relationships because the principles and the concepts are like, ah, oh, that makes sense now. Um, it just is so cool because you can learn one of two ways. You can either go through it or you can learn from somebody else who went through it. And I went through hell, everybody listen, hell in relationships, but we still were able to hit the mark for our relationship. And that only came through God. And um, I want to give secrets. This I tell people all the time, this is a cheat code to <laughs> relationships and doing them well. And um, that's why I wrote Relationship Goals. Okay, so um, we're going to go there. And I think that there's, there. I'm passionate about relationships and I'm passionate about having honest conversations around relationships. Yeah. Even before Matt and I started the church, I've just been big on relationships because I've seen relationships pull people out of a relationship with God. They've either been angry with God or they've chosen someone else other than God. And so yeah. when you talk about premarital sex, I don't think, um, I, I feel I'm very open about it, but I don't know very many people who are like, we kind of leave it a little gray cause we don't want to be super judgy, but yeah. like at the same time, people are throwing away their lives. They're getting super connected. You refer to it as soul ties. Like they're being, they're, they're aligning themselves with people. So let's, can you, can you, um, in a nutshell, tell us why premarital sex from your perspective and a biblical perspective, why you are so in advance for not having sex before marriage? Well, number one, let me start off by saying I did not. I was not able to um, experience this. Yeah. I, I know the other side of it. That, that's what I want. I'm not somebody who is like telling you like, don't do this because I didn't get to do it or don't do Like I did it. I did it several times and I paid for it. Like, and so this is the thing that I'm telling people. When you do things God's way, you get the promises on the back end of it. When you don't do things God's way, you get the, the pain of it on the back side of it. He's still good. He still loves you. He's still for you. His grace is still efficient, but it didn't take away the scars. It didn't take away the things that happened. And so for me and Natalie, um, one of the things that um, our, our sexual um, relationship came out of insecurities. I ended up breaking her heart. Um, and we're high school sweethearts. We've been together since she was 14. I was 15. And with no guidance, that is a long time to 25 or 24 to get married with no guidance. That's almost 10 years of just like making it up. So when I got um, uh, in my early 20s uh, and I had this beautiful, amazing, confident, wonderful, like fine. My wife is fine. Like with the fine, like, like I had this amazing gift from God. Then I started listening to culture. Well, how are you really gonna settle down if you ain't never been with nobody else? Like, and and I'm saying you're seeing people with two and three and four women, and how are you all all of these things that are contrary to God's word, but they are accepted in culture. And I begin to look at that and go down that path and feed that stuff to me. And so I ended up um um leaving, breaking up with Natalie broke her heart. And at this time, we still hadn't had sex. We still hadn't moved. She gets in a relationship with this dude that is not good. Like the one dude I hated, 
they they're in that i start dating other girls we start getting promiscuous we get back together find out that she lost her virginity to him i'm feeling some type of way so i feel like now i gotta have sex with her to be able to feel like anything and we start that then it opens us up to this uh huge um um just back and forth of knowing this is not what we're supposed to be doing but now trying to feel good and all this other stuff then i cheat on her with another girl because your flesh is never satisfied. And so I'm thinking this is gonna be it. I go this, the girl ends up telling her that that we had sex. And for every, all the listeners that are like, oh, this is a pastor telling this. Listen, everybody experiences something. And the problem, the only way you can be free is in transparency. Right. And, and there's so many people right now that are in, that look good to you, but they're bound up because they will not be honest about what, what has happened in their life. So I don't feel no type of ways about sharing this. So <laughs> at, at the end of the day, when that happened, the girl tells her it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because I had to face the truth and make a decision of who I was going to be. But then, because I still didn't have any clarity, instead of doing it with Natalie, I turned to pornography. And what ends up happening is the enemy makes you rationalize that it was better to get these images in me than actually be doing it with her, which all I was doing was reinforcing the, the idea that I needed to have this. And so images, here, it, it was... 10 months of insanity cost me 10 years of pain. And, and what people don't understand is when you open that door, when you crack it, it just busts wide open. Right. It's an automatic door. When you get to sex and sexual perversion, it don't just crack this little bit. That mug opens all the way up. And, and, and for me and for culture and for, for what, what Christ wanted for me, I went down a path that, that begin to take from me. See, because when you attach yourself to somebody, it's not the wedding, it's not the, um, uh, the flowers and, and all of the bridal pictures that God recognized when it comes to marriage. It's the covenant. And two people back in the day when they would make covenant, they would come together in sexual relationships. They were joined. They were joined physically by the act of sex. They were joined emotionally and they were joined by intimacy and they were joined spiritually in the soul. Like, and that's why their souls were supposed to become intertwined. And that's when God was like, there they are. That's a married couple. And the two shall become one. What has happened in culture now is we're doing the act without the covenant. We are, we are getting in marriages with people and then ripping apart. And what happens when you glue two pieces of paper together with super glue and they're supposed to stay like that, when you rip them apart, there are pieces of each color of that construction paper on each other that will never go back to the way they were until you come in contact with somebody who created it. And that's why for me, I, I, I really encourage people like get to know people on a level that, that is more about who they are and not what they can offer. Because mm -hmm. when you do that, then you make a sober decision. Sex makes you drunk. Sex inebriates your decisions. Se no, I'm serious. Like when you, you get to know somebody for them and they all step into that category and all you're trying to do now is figure out what you can do to get back to that. Get that again. Yep. Or get back in it. Like, and I'm telling you, like I lost, I hurt, and I almost um, forfeited the greatest gift God gave me in my life because I opened the door prematurely that was supposed to be enjoyed. Let me be clear, sex is good because sex is God's idea. 
But if you take sex out of its proper container of marriage, it can create so much damage. That's why I say to people all the time, like water outside of a container can flood places, can cause irreparable damage, people can drown. But if you put that same millions of gallons of water in some type of dam or turbine, it can power and make energy for Las Vegas. But in the right container, it can produce life. But in the wrong container, it produces destruction and takes away. And so that's why I encourage people all the time, make sure that you're, you're aligned with God's will for relationships so you right. can hit relationship goals. And listen, as someone, so on this podcast, you have someone that had sex before marriage and then you have someone, AKA me, that did not have sex before marriage. And there's two different perspectives. And both of us are telling you, when you wait, that's God's best design. And then I'm always faced with, especially when I was in college or in grad school and people were like, wait, you're not having sex? I, people are like, well, how do you know if it's gonna be good? Well, here's the thing. Let's just have some like real talk. If I get married yeah. and it's not good, one, I'm really not gonna know that much. And and then number two, guess what? Now I'm married. I get to make up for lost time until I yeah. figure that trash out, you oh, know? So like, do something. You can do everything. Yes, yes. yes. Okay. So, we, so yeah. we speak very honestly and openly from a biblical perspective and like it's God's best. Now, one of the questions that came in from Kat Harris out of New York and a couple other people is, well, how do we lose the shame within church culture about those that have had sex and like, what does that look like for those that have? I and mean, I'm not even talking about like in my BC days before I knew Christ. No, I'm talking about like now, like they walk with the Lord. Yesterday. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. How do we not shame them, but how do we also hold each other to a great standard? Because here's the, the lie. The lie is that purity only happens before you get married. As a married woman and as yeah. a married man, I think we both would say, no, purity is a lifestyle. It's not a fashion fad. So yeah. what do you speak to those people that are believers have or are making mistakes? What, what do you tell them? Yeah, so you can never control what somebody else thinks of you, but you can control how you come before God and how you own what you've done and use it as a testimony. Yeah. So the first thing that I would tell everybody is make sure that you repent. Like, and that word is not some deep spiritual word. All the word really means is turn. Like mm -hmm. if I've been going this way, this is how I've been doing my Netflix and chill, or I've been lonely. So it's quarantine. So I'm a booty call now, or I've been just doing all this stuff. All God's asking you to do is repent, turn. Like, and don't just turn, turn to him. Like he can satisfy you. The woman um, that he met um, uh, at the well, she had been with so many men and she was like, the one you with ain't even your husband. She had been trying to fulfill her, her thirst with something, but the only thing that made her not thirst again was turning to Jesus. And so I would, first off, practical point is like, just talk to God, say, God, you know that I'm going to this to try to fulfill a void that I don't get because of whatever. And today I'm asking you to fill it. Like, help me. Repent, just turn. And then practically own it. Like, this is the thing that everybody got to realize. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb. That's and what Jesus did. the word of our testimony. That, Come on. Yes. Word of our own testimony. The only reason people listen to me is because I tell the worst parts of my life. And then I tell how Jesus redeemed it. The blood of the lamb what he did, his grace, what he shed for us. But the words of my testimony, and too many believers want the blood of the lamb without the word of their testimony, so they don't overcome. And that's where I just take it like, I gotta overcome this. 
So I'm gonna tell you I dealt with pornography. I gotta overcome this. So I'm gonna tell you I struggle with this, that, the third, the fourth, the fifth, because I need to overcome. And the only formula to that is the blood of the lamb, receiving the grace of God, but the words of my testimony. You can't shame me about something I'm telling you. You can't come and, and make me, I know I did it. Like, yeah, I was a hoe, but now I'm holy. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I was ratchet, but now I'm right. Like, if you own it, if you repent and you own what God's done, then you overcome it. And then this is the thing that I tell everybody. Then you have to share it. You, you can't just, you can't just um, think that you went through what you went through just for you. God says that he takes all things. And he'll work them together for the good of those who are called and that love him. And I really do believe every one of my mistakes can turn miraculous in God's hand. Yeah. Every single one of my mistakes. And I just think people got to do that. You know, I, I love, I, I want to I highlight two things because I think sometimes if people see a snippet or a clip, they could take what you're saying and feel very judged by it. Like, oh, you know, I, I feel called out. I feel attacked. And the truth of the matter is, is that as a pastor, your heart is for people not to A, make the same mistakes you did or B, continually make the same mistakes. So I hear your shepherd's heart. I hear your pastor's heart. I hear your heart of a spiritual father wanting the best for his children and those that are listening. Um, I love that James tells us to confess our trespasses amongst the brethren. And I, I think one of the things that we, that you hit on so beautifully is sometimes when we hear a message, we're like, oh, you know what? Dang, I'm in sin. I gotta, you know, I just, you know, I just, I, I, I gotta say sorry to God and then move on from it. The problem with that, and I think the reason why it's so important that like you are addressing, it's the word of our testimony is to tell somebody else yeah. because then we get to ha be, have accountability. Like, you know, do, are you acting like a fool? Are you making these decisions? Are you going out late at night? Who's, who are you talking? Who are you texting? Who are you DMing? And without that level of accountability it's not like oh i gotta tell you all my, uh, my my trespasses and my sins as if you're a mediator to god no but when we when we get to have accountability with each other i think that there's true freedom that comes out of that and i love well, that you're saying that the thing that everybody has to know is that culture our parents everybody has taught us to be honest so we'll tell the truth hopefully when somebody asks us the right question i think the whole scripture tells us to be transparent that it's not about telling the truth when somebody asks, because the honest to God truth is that most people ain't gonna ask you, they don't know the questions to ask you. You know what I'm saying? They don't, nobody randomly comes up to you, was you having sex last night? Like nobody knows to ask you that, but being transparent is that offering up, saying, hey guys, I have, a, I have something that I've been struggling with behind the scenes by myself, and I don't wanna do this anymore, I'm coming to you. I'm, and I'm telling you, when you start living, I am, Bianca, the most free I've ever been in my whole life. I don't have to hide anything. I don't have to cover up nothing. I am truly loved. I make mistakes. A pastor of a church is telling you, I sin. Like, all, I, I, I am not, like, and that ability to be in touch with what God has done for me and continues to do for me allows me to go and be free. And so I just really encourage people that are listening right now and dealing with shame and guilt and condemnation and bondage and all those different things to know that the way out of this is to honestly be transparent. There is nothing you've done that God wasn't there to see, that he was there. All he's wanting you to do is be self-aware enough to bring it to him. Bianca, do you realize that the first question God ever asked in scripture was a self-awareness question? He asked Adam and Eve after they sinned, where are you? Where are you? Yep. 
He didn't ask them that because he lost them. He asked them that because he was trying to see, can you identify? Can you tell me why you keep going to that bottle? Can you tell me why that you can? And all he was trying to do was make themselves aware so that he, they knew he was the answer. But what did they do? They ran and hid. They tried to provide for themselves and cover up what was going on. And it still goes on today. And God says, come to me just as you are, broken, frustrated with all the baggage, all the sin. And I can take that and I can turn it into something useful for my glory. I love that. I love that. So here we, ha- I have so many, I have so many questions I want to ask you. So listen, Let's go. I'm, I'm Latina. I talk fast and you might listen slow, but we're going to get through this. Okay. Okay. So let's move on besides just like the, the, some of the, the heaviness about like premarital sex and that sort of stuff. And I want to go down to like the nitty gritty. I'm getting questions from a lot of uh, single women. So the, uh-huh. the American church, the capital C church, the American church in Northern America is comprised of 64% females. And so yeah. I have so many females that are like, where have all the good guys gone? Where are the Christian men? Um, do you have any insight? Can you speak to that? I'm, I'm gonna give you some space at the end to kind of like sp- bring some, some, some male wisdom to the, to the male population, but from a pastor, from a pastor, not necessarily Mike, but from pastor Mike, what are you seeing in church and what's kind of like the gap that might exist or might not exist? Yeah, so I mean, there's definitely uh, a huge gap of men of God being in their spot. And that's part of the reason that God's called me. Um, there's not many examples of, of men of God who actually will teach what they know to other people. And um, m- m- my goal is in the next 10 years to raise up an army of strong men of God. That's why I tell people get your brothers watching, get your cousins watching your co-workers like because it it takes me being able to see it first men are visual in everything and if i can't see another man who is successful many fathers are outside of the home specifically in the african-american and latina communities whether in jail or um single parent homes like there's so many different factors that uh, go to that but instead of complaining about the problem, my thing is I want to help build in it. So ladies, we on the way. So, um, but at the same token, I do believe that there are tons of men that are still single as well that are godly men are in church as well. Um, and the, the statistics may not be the same, but there are people right now that are looking for a mate that many times, and now I'm gonna go ahead and say it, that many of our sisters in Christ have made a list that is so long that nobody would be able to even penetrate the first interview with you because of this thing that we've built that was built off of our preferences and not our purpose. See, when God is helping us choose a mate, he builds the mate based on your purpose, not based on your preferences. And my question to people, one of the things that I did in the series that I um, did, Relationship Goals Reloaded, is I told all my sisters in Christ to rip up your list. Rip up and I know some of, y'all, some of y'all right now are like, oh, no, uh-uh, he got to be six, six. He got to have a six pack and he got to make six figures. Like you, like you go through all of these different things. But I found that what God wants for my life factors in what I need, not just what I want. Come on. And many times... Um, it, on paper, my wife will tell you I'm nothing that she wanted. 
Like she she thought she was gonna marry a Hispanic dude with wavy hair. Because then she'd be Julio. favored and highly highly blessed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She got me. You hear me? And I'm the best piece of chocolate she ever had. Like, but now when you ask her now, she was like, God didn't give me what I thought I wanted. Mm-hmm. He gave me what I he knew I needed. And and I would just encourage many people, number one, to to go to God and ask him, what has been the thing that I've been holding on to that has blinded me from seeing the people that you may be putting in my path? Well, it can't be Jerry. He go to the church. I know him. He like a brother and he ain't, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? And we do that to people. And maybe Jerry is the person that is still going to be perfected as we go. And five years from now, you will look up and you will be in the most life-giving relationship. And I'm not telling anybody to settle. That is, I don't want you to hear me saying that at all. Like, Because uh, a lot of um, women of God pick up projects too. And if a man of God is not, if he's not following God and being led by him, he, he sure can't lead you. Like that, that, those are things that have to continue to move. But I just think so many times that we, we make these lists that are unrealistic <laughs> and and, and what ends up happening is we blind ourselves to the type of man that God has created for us because he's not in the packaging or in the swag or in the, uh, the, the career field that we thought our man would be in. Right. And I just tell people all the time, be open to God. Trust him. Yeah. Let him lead you and direct you because he'll end up giving you, as Natalie, the best thing you ever <laughs> have. You know you know, one thing, one thing that I just, I'm, 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 I'm big on everything that you just said. And I also am going to include, this is my personal perspective. Pastor Mike is not saying this because if y'all hate me after this, it wasn't Pastor Mike that said this, but I, I feel like there has to be a healthy sense of self-awareness. Cause I hear so many, you know, sisters like, Oh, I want a 10. I want a 10. I want a dime. Baby, you are spiritual too. So like, let's have some honest conversations, you know? So I think it's like, we need to have conversations with our spiritual family, our spiritual friends and say, Hey, am I a emotionally healthy? Am I financially healthy? Am I psychologically healthy? Because you know, there's some crazy people out there. And so I think it's just a healthy view of self-awareness too. Okay. I'm going to transition to this because we are running out of time. Now for those that are doing everything right, they are keeping Jesus as a focus. They are, you know, no ringy, no dingy. They're doing the whole purity thing. Right. But then it goes from like their twenties to like late twenties to like thirties, mid thirties, early forties. And they're like, well, what about the sexuality that I do have? Uh, a couple yeah. questions came in on a biblical view of masturbation or what do I do with the sexuality that God has given me? Yeah, so the thing that I, for everybody who is in that process, I wish I had a magic pill that could change it and you'd be in a relationship or anything like that. The big thing that ends up happening there is that you have to trust God. And I don't. I hate saying that answer a lot of times because it's, it, it goes back to dependency on him and his plan and knowing what you're supposed to do. And so um, I really do think that there comes a, there's a big word, but it's the sovereignty of God where there are certain things that you don't understand, but are you serving the season fully that you're in and really waiting on God to make that happen? At the same token, there are people like, I got all this sexuality and what am I supposed to do and masturbation and all this other stuff. Um, I, I really truly believe that many of those things, and this is my personal opinion, many of those things cannot be done without images and without thoughts that are sin. And so nobody's looking at a, 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 a rainbow in the sky 
and, and masturbating. We're reading romance novels. We're watching movies that put these images and these thoughts into our head. We're thinking about coworkers in wrong pay. And the Bible, it just is one of those things, my conviction, it says when you think, when you, when you think of those things like that, like you're already, if it's happened in your heart, you're, you're already doing that. And I've never been, I, I, you might, somebody else may have been able to do it. And I masturbated. I, like, I want everybody to realize I'm not talking to you from a judgmental standpoint mm. or anything. I've never been able to do those things thinking about what is good and lovely and pure and all the things that the scripture tells us to do. I've never been able to, to reconcile that. It always has to go into the lewd, the, the perverted, the, and so for my soul and my spirit, I tell people all the time, they're like, what do I do? And I tell them, I said, listen, I said, if the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us, and Jesus was the one that was able to defeat death, hell, and the grave. This was the revelation that happened for me. God said, Michael, if I can raise Jesus from the dead, I can raise a dead body. What makes you think I can't help you manage a living one? And when I got to that perspective that God can help me manage this, like I can feel it. I can be hot and bothered. I can be sitting back like, whoo, I need to take a cold shot. All of those different things. But he can give me things that help me manage it. I end up getting closer in my relationship with him, and I'm not led by my flesh. Yes, my flesh wants to do it and say it and all that other stuff. But then I can get to a space, and I would just encourage people right now, some of the deepest revelations, the greatest creativity, the things that I produce came out of seasons where I was sexually um, um, just tempted and everywhere that God helped me manage it and redirected into creativity, redirected into building relationships, redirected into doing something I was so called to do. And it turned into something so fruitful. Mm. And I just encourage you that because it happened for me, I know that it can happen for you. Come on, come on. Listen, there are so many other great co conversations and topics that we can have, but you address so much of this in your book, Relationship Goals. Again, this is going to be in the show notes where people can get a direct link to go get it. As well as on YouTube, you guys have over 20 hours of relationship, sex, and dating conversations. And so uh, that, again, was is going to be in the show notes. But in our last remaining time together, Pastor Mike, I want you to speak to the men. I do believe that God has put a mantle on you to communicate to the next generation of men. And I, I know that a lot of our listeners are female, but they know a lot of males, whether it's brothers or coworkers or spouses or, or, or boyfriends or even the men here. What would you encourage the men to do? How would you speak to them if you just had two minutes just to pour into them, challenge them, not call them out, but call them up? What would you tell them? I think I would tell them what I wish somebody would have told me that your decisions today are affecting generations. Like I now have two daughters and to think about what I thought about women, what I did to women, what I spoke of women, that somebody would speak that to my daughters. At this moment right now, I can't even fathom what I would do if I was a deadbeat father and didn't um, love their mother and give them an example. I know that everybody has different um, um, paths that they've gone through and different things that have happened to them and for them. The thing I would encourage you to know is that your decisions today are affecting generations. And um, when I when I start thinking like that, it makes me want to be a better husband, a better father, a better person. 
And the only person that could help me do that, because I tried everything. I tried self-help books. I tried drugs. I tried sex. I tried the only thing that helped me become a better man was Jesus. When I, when I honestly, the Psalms 119 says, how does a young man, how does a young woman keep his way pure by hiding themselves in the word of God? When I started getting mentored by things that had been here for thousands of years, it made me a better person, made me vulnerable, made me open up, made me change what I listened to, what I liked. And what it did for me is create a man. People see Pastor Michael Todd, but it's Michael. Like that's who I am. And all that other stuff that has happened has been because something has happened on the inside of me that now people see on the outside. If I tell you who I was, addicted to pornography, a liar, a manipulator, less than five years, almost a little over five years ago, had a potential felony case, like all of these things, you'd be like, how in the world? But it was because of my one relationship with God that made me change everything. And now my daughters will know something completely different. My son will know something completely different. The people that I touch, my brothers and, and, and my wife know something. There's been no man in my wife's family that has been around. My wife, I get to show her something completely different because my decisions are affecting generations. And so I believe that that is a call for every man that's listening, every man that's watching that, if you make godly decisions and right decisions, you can be the one that they look back on. Oh yeah, that was my grandpa. That was, that was my uncle. That was my father who changed it for us forever. Believe that's in you. I speak that over you. And I believe that you can be a man of transformation. And uh, I'm here for you. I'm walking it out with you. And we're going to do this thing together. All right. Pastor Mike, you are the best. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your leadership. But most importantly, thank you for the man of God that you are. I, I agape you. I love you through and through. Christ's love is on you, in you, and over you. So thank you for the wisdom that you poured out. Can't wait to chat more. Friends, don't you just love Pastor Mike? I mean, his wisdom is beyond his years. I cannot advocate for the book Relationship Goals enough. You can buy it on Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, everywhere that books are sold or downloaded. Uh, again, the title is Relationship Goals, and I think that it is a resource. Even if you're married, I think it's a resource as a married couple, as a refresher and a reminder of what relationships could potentially be. Download it, buy it, share it, get it, review it. Yes, Lord. Speaking of reviews, if you guys are reviewing this podcast, Podcast. Again, let me say thank you and also remind you that if you review this podcast, you can download a free PDF of the Book of Ruth in addition to video Bible study. The Bible study through the Book of Ruth is a free resource for those that leave a review and subscribe to this podcast. All you have to do is write a review, take a picture of your review, and email it to podcast at in the name of love.org that is podcast at in the name of love.org and all the resources the seven bible studies as well as the free pdf is yours just for subscribing and reviewing thank you for being part of this community i love you and cannot wait to chat with you next week